From WDBM East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. This is Skylar Ashley filling in for Burl Schwartz on City Pulse on the Air. On today's show, we're going to listen to my interview with Ryan Clater, the coordinator of Michigan State's comic art and graphic novel minor. He's a brilliant comic book artist whose work will grace the City Pulse starting January 5th when we will publish his latest work, A Hunter's Tale, piece by piece with each of our January issues. We discuss the history of A Hunter's Tale and all of the unique influences behind it. Let's check it out. So we're talking about the um, cover story um, that you're going to be featured with, um, which is about... um, your new release, A Hunter's Tale. Um, why don't we start at the beginning? Um, when did you begin work on this um, this new project? What uh, you know? What spurred its uh, origins? What was the initial inspiration? Just how did it start? Sure. So I've been working on uh, illustrating A Hunter's Tale for about six months, about the latter half of 2021. And, uh, you know, this poem that is the script for this comic, uh, written by my late grandfather has been with me as long as I can remember. Uh, you know, it was written in 1983. And so, um, yeah, it's been a part of my life for a long time. And my grandfather writ- wrote a number of poems, but whenever I got to this one, this was always the one that just stopped me dead in my tracks. And um, it's, it's my absolute favorite poem my grandfather ever wrote. And I feel like I've been able to see this poem, like in my mind's eye for a very long time. Um, You know, I think with most, most poetry, um, at least from my experience, and I am not admittedly an experienced poet or uh, reader of poetry, but uh, you kind of read the poem and then reread it and try to interpret it and figure out what the poet is trying to tell you. Uh, With my grandfather's poem, that was not the case. This is a very, very different from that. Uh, This is a very visual and a very narratively driven poem. And it's about two seemingly disparate subjects, a hunter and his prey, who ordinarily would have nothing to do with each other, right? But um, over the course of this poem, they form this unlikely understanding of one another. And at its core, this poem is about reciprocated empathy. And uh, I was rereading my grandfather's poetry over the course of the pandemic. And uh, of course, this poem once again, jumped out at me. And I think it was a convergence of a whole lot of different things happening. Uh, You know, we've all been through the past two years together and, you know, I don't have to explain it all to you from, you know, the insurrection at the Capitol to George Floyd to so many different things that have happened over the course of the pandemic. And with each passing day, it seems like we become more and more separated from one another in this day and age where it's so easy just to click and defriend and, you know, cut people out of your life and uh, surround yourself with 
very similar people, people who think very similarly to you. And I feel like that is dangerous, that we should be open to uh, listening and trying to understand people who are different from us. And um, I, I feel like empathy is a quality that has sort of fallen out of uh, our typical way of life. And I, I hope that this poem and this comic book uh, can inspire people to maybe think about how each of us are conducting ourselves in this world. Mm -hmm. um, those are, you know, some very heavy themes and um, some very deep uh, aspects of social commentary you just discussed. Um, what is it about um, what happens in the poem, what happens in the story specifically that you think makes this a good, you know, vector for those sort of messages? Um, um, can you tell me a little bit about the, the content of it? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll try my best to tell you about it without giving too much away. And ultimately, the City Pulse will mm -hmm. be publishing the entire story mm -hmm. uh, coming up over the next four issues of mm -hmm. the... Yeah, throughout the, January. Exactly. We're doing like five pages at a time. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> um, Essentially, it's about this fellow, uh, my grandfather, who uh, decides he's going to go hunting one morning and goes out to find uh, a deer. And he ends up finding this deer, but then has a really unexpected experience with it. And uh, my grandfather uh, had a really unexpected experience. Uh, and interesting life. Um, you know, he was, he was born in the early 1900s and uh, was diagnosed with tuberculosis at a young age. And he grew up here in the Midwest in a tiny town called Alma, Illinois. And uh, from my understanding at that time, um, tuberculosis was essentially a death sentence. And so they told him, you know, if you want to be cured or have any hope of being cured, you need to go out in the deserts of Arizona and live out there and hope that the dry desert air will cure your TB. And so that's what he did. He went out to Arizona and he lived off the land and uh, he had to become that a common thing. They told people, I, that's I don't, crazy. that is crazy. It's that's hard wild. to even imagine. Yeah. So um, he had to live off the land at that point. And uh, he became a very good shot because he was not supposed to be living off the land. And so he basically had to kill his food in one shot because if he took a second shot, then the game warden would hear that shot and be able to understand where that came from and bring in my grandfather. And, you know, if he wasn't out in the desert and he was in jail, then he wouldn't have that dry desert air to cure him of the TB. And, you know, since I'm here, I'm guessing you can surmise he, he made it through, but um, I mean, that was essentially his story. And so when I initially ran across the story and saw that it was about a hunter, I kind of shied away a little bit. Uh, Cause I, I do not hunt. I 
don't even fish. <laughs> I don't even like putting a worm on a hook to go fishing. It's, that's just not what I do, but, um, understanding my grandfather's story and where he came from, um, you know, it really forced me to think more empathetically and to think about, um, you know, what would I do if I were in my grandfather's position? And I would probably do the same thing. You know, I would get over myself and I would probably pick up a gun and try to survive. Um, you know, I understand that I am in a very privileged position to be able to go to a store and get meat or get uh, vegetables that have been processed for me already. But, you know, if I were in that situation, I think I would have done the same thing. And so, uh, again, this, this poem has taught me <laughs> empathy on a number of different levels as well. And I'm so excited to share that, uh, with, with more people. Um, so when it came time to, um, put this together in comic book form, in terms of you know creating a visual narrative out of this what what sort of works um did you consult or were inspired by or you know stuff that provided you you know some sort of direction um, was was there any particular influences that were important to you yeah um so when i first started conceiving of doing this project um I wasn't sure if my grandfather's poem would, would fit into how it would fit into paneled form, but I, I made a decision really early on to uh, just be vehemently, uh, 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 oh gosh, the word is eluding me right now, uh, faithful to, to his word. So no words have been changed. All of them have been included. And essentially it is me visualizing this poem. Um, you know, my grandfather's no longer around. And so it's not like I could have a conversation with him to say, Hey, what do you think about this? Would this, would this fit better? And so really I just tried to be as faithful as possible to his words. Um, and, uh, hopefully, uh, augment that with my images and put it in front of a different audience that wouldn't have, been able to read his work otherwise. So uh, I'm really interested in, in, in putting his work in front of people that he probably never would have thought would have read his work. <laughs> mm -hmm. What was um, your relationship like with your grandfather? Um, were, were you always fascinated with his poetry? Did, um, did you spend a lot of time with him? Um, what was that um, like? Yeah. So when I was growing up, I was born and raised and lived in California until about a dozen years ago or so. Uh, my wife mm -hmm. and I moved out to Michigan in 2008 and uh, my grandfather lived in Colorado. And uh, I remember visiting him, you know, periodic summers and he had a log cabin next to the North Fork of the Gunnison River, and we would go intertubing down that river, and uh, it was just very, very picturesque. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at the first page of the book, but that cabin illustration is uh, based off of his cabin. It, it really does look like that. It really is right next to the river. We really did mess around in that river quite a bit when I was growing up. <clears throat> so he wasn't um, 
I, I wasn't around my grandfather incredibly frequently because we lived states away, you know, time zones away. But I have very fond memories of my grandfather. You know, he was always a very happy person, always joking. You know, he always had a joke <laughs> for anybody who was around him. And, uh, you know, and I didn't know his story at that time, you know, when I was growing up. But in looking back, I, I think it's really inspiring to know what he went through and how well he came out after all of that. Mm-hmm. What do you think the advantages, what advantages you have um, telling this story, you know, in a graphic novel setting, as opposed to, you know, doing it through, you know, strictly written word, um, you know, advantages and disadvantages of the graphic novel as a, as a format here? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I'm, I'm very interested in sharing my grandfather's work with people, especially right now. I think this type of um, uh, attention to empathy is so needed right now. But first, I think that the comic book form will help it get in front of new people, a new audience. Um, I also have a big love of comics uh, and have since I was single digits years old, you know, and up until now, I'm the uh, coordinator of the comic art and graphic novel minor at Michigan State University, and I teach the studio classes there. So um, I think that comics can bring a, um, a unique perspective in that comics is words and images, and together those can create literally anything. You can do anything you want to in comics. And there's virtually no budget because, you know, you have a pencil and a paper and you can make whatever you want. Um, I also think it's really interesting because in comics, the reader is more of a participant in the story than if you were just passively allowing something to wash over you, like, uh, you know, watching a movie or a, or a sitcom or something and you're, everything is there for you. Whereas in comics, you kind of have to fill in the gaps between the panels and uh, make that closure in your mind's eye. What's uh, I'm curious what uh, some of your specific favorite graphic novels are. What are some that you've read you know, throughout your life, whether or not uh, that was growing up or even recent years? What, what are some favorites of yours that you've checked out? Sure. Um, well, your uh, ideal how- graphic novels. Yeah. Um, so how much time do you have? <laughs> um, I know you can probably go on forever, but um, yeah, I'll, give me I'll, a handful, I suppose. I'll try to give you a bullet pointed list. Um, when I was growing up, I was uh, a big fan of the Disney duck books like Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge. Uh, mm-hmm. But as I started to age up and uh, appreciate satire a little more, I started really getting inter- interested in the work of Sergio Aragones. He's done work for Mad Magazine for over 50 years and has his own creator-owned comic called Gru the Wanderer, and uh, he's still producing it to this day. So um, those are a couple big influences. I also love the work of Seth. He's a Canadian cartoonist and was a keynote speaker at the MSU Comics Forum uh, in 2019. Um, uh, we were lucky enough to bring him here to, to be a keynote speaker and he's done work like 
uh, Clyde fans and uh, George Sprott and uh, Wimbledon Green. And it's a good life if you don't weaken. Um, he just has a really incredible sense of pacing. And um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other folks. I really like Andy Watson. He's an artist from the UK and he's done works like uh, Love Fights and Little Star and Slow News Day. Um, mm -hmm. He's still producing work to this day as well. Andy is spelled A-N-D-I if you're looking that mm -hmm. up. Awesome. Those are some, uh, a lot more eclectic taste than I have, <laughs> which is actually um, a pretty good segue into my next question. Um, oh, P.S. Can I, can I throw one more in there? I, I really want to make yeah, go sure ahead. I get this in. I, uh, yeah, so I, I also want to mention Emile Ferris. Uh, she's done my favorite thing is monsters and it's just a tour de force work. Um, we also had Emile at Michigan state university in 2020, yeah, like, literally weeks before everything shut down. So, uh, we were lucky to, to bring her in as well. So, uh, Emile Ferris is a tremendous, tremendous cartoonist. Yeah, all of those sound really cool. I'm actually um, pretty familiar with Sergio Aragonez because I read Mag Mad, Mad Magazine a lot growing up. And, oh, great. Uh, yeah, I recognize his, uh, his cartooning. Uh, so you've seen all those little mad yeah, marginals he puts in the, the bylines yeah, of Mad Magazine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very familiar with those. Those yeah. are very funny. Cool. Um, what comics are you into? Um, I'm more so into the like darker graphic novels based off of you know some more famous characters like batman i really like um i was a fan of the dark knight returns by mm -hmm. frank miller yeah um, i'm a really big fan of uh alan moore's stuff like mm -hmm. i would say the watchman is probably my number one favorite um i've also really liked scott pilgrim the original mm. comic books yes was not a very big fan of the movie um, okay um, yeah, they, they tried to fit a lot in an hour and a half, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I just, and plus I didn't think like, I don't know, it may have been better as an animated series or something mm. like that. It really, I just really don't think it translated well into real life. I think they, I think they made it look lame. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just was not a fan of that movie. Um, <laughs> but that has yeah. nothing to do with anything. Um, those are probably my you know, major favorites right there. I, I really like, um, oh, Alan Moore. He also did the killing joke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the Joker story. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like a lot of like your that. interests all came out in 1986, you know, Dark Knight Returns, yeah. Watchmen. Yeah. That was a good year yeah. for comics. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of um, uh, a turning point for better or worse. Uh, that's when, you know, everything gets all edgy and Aquaman gets a spear for a hand. <laughs> you know, you, you ever seen mid 90s Aquaman when they tried to reinvent him to be all oh, yeah. badass and cool? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing they're trying to do now <laughs> with Jason Momoa. It's never going to happen. They're never going to make Aquaman happen. It's just you can't, not, at least not in my opinion. Um, but I wanted to ask you, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of comic books, they might think, you know, the basic Spider-Man, Superman, Danzel and distress stories. Um, a lot of people um, aren't too familiar with the, you know, the world of indie comics, which are, you know, 
tackle very serious interpersonal issues. Um, I, I guess, what can you say is the, you know, the difference about uh, what you're trying to go for per se, as opposed to, you know, the generic idea of a comic, like, do you get my question? Like, you know, I think so. You describe yeah. that split a little bit. Yeah. Like what um, makes the world, what makes the world of independent comics a, a, a bit more unique than yeah. say the generic Marvel stories? Sure. So I think there are worthwhile stories to be told both in superhero comics form and also in non superhero comics uh you can call them alternative comics or independent comics or whatever you want to call them but uh essentially there's a lot of uh more personal stories a lot more non-fiction work being produced in independent comics like autobiography biographical historical type work and that's kind of the stuff that i gravitate to more um i also want to highlight you know my book is on Kickstarter when this um, uh, interview mm -hmm. is going to be published, but I'd like to highlight Kickstarter because it's really become this hotbed of independent comics and this thriving comics community is building up around it. And you see so many different voices in comics on Kickstarter, and it's becoming this great democratization of comics where anybody can make a Kickstarter campaign and have this equal platform, this equal footing on the same website to potentially launch their product and get a lot of eyes in front of it. So I think Kickstarter is an incredibly exciting place to be involved in the independent and alternative comics scene right now, uh, specifically because there's so many voices and also a lot of people are supporting one another on Kickstarter. This really true community is being built up there. You know, you look at somebody who's launched a campaign or two or five on Kickstarter, and it'll say, it'll tell you their stats, like five campaigns launched, 85 backed or 95 backed or 120 backed. You know, they're not just getting on there and collecting money, like they're giving back to the community and they're invested in what else is going on in independent comics. So you look at another category, like let's say tech and you don't see that. It's like one project launched, zero backed. You know, there's just not that sense of community in other categories. And it's not a knock on other categories, but I do want to hold it up to say, this is an incredibly exciting time to be making comics and also using Kickstarter as a platform to launch them. Uh, you know, I mentioned the fact that I teach uh, comic studio courses at Michigan State University. And I brought the Kickstarter comics and publications outreach manager to my class. And she was talking about the exponential growth of comics on Kickstarter. You know, a number of years ago, the success rate of comics on Kickstarter were, was hovering around like the 50% mark, a little lower, a little higher, but right around there. And then in 2020, it skyrocketed up to, I think it was like in the low 70s, maybe high 60s, low 70s percent of success on Kickstarter. And when she came to speak to my class in late 2021, she was saying, even though the year is not done, it's tracking to be even better than 2020. It's like easily in the low to mid 70% of campaigns of comic 
campaigns on Kickstarter that are succeeding. So it's, like I said, a very exciting time to be involved in independent comics on Kickstarter right now. Final question I had for you to kind of, you know, help bring it around and sum everything up is just, um, you know, why, um, <laughs> why should people be excited to read a hunter's tale, kind of pitch it, hype it up? Um, sure. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, a hunter's tale is my absolutely favorite poem that my grandfather ever wrote. And I've wanted to make this comic for a very long time, ever since I started making comics, I've been making comics for almost 20 years at this point, but I've hesitated because I felt like I, I wasn't sure my cartooning chops were ready for this project that was so close and important to me. And after making comics for 20 years, I feel like I'm finally at the point where I can give this project, uh, you know, the, the visuals that it deserves. I, I'm, you know, more confident in my cartooning. Um, and that combined with the, the day and age that we're in right now, uh, I just feel like this uh, comic and poem has a message that needs to be heard by our global community. Thank you very much to Ryan Clater for joining us here on City Pulse on the Air on 88.9 FM, The Impact. And that about does it for this week's show. From WDBM East Lansing, this is City Pulse on the Air.